Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. church planner this is pete mitchell and this is peyton jones and uh you're listening to episode 404 of the church planner podcast yeah baby which we've been doing from the war room of the rebel empire with general mon mothma which we've been doing for like seven and a half years and peyton continually forgets and misses our recording times i forgot last week (laughs) I can't Which tell you we had a Monday podcast. I can't terrible. tell you how many times I have said to people this last week. Yeah, we've only been doing it seven and a half years and the dude doesn't remember when we record. I mean, I don't know. It was like a senior moment. I don't know what happened to me, man. Like all of a sudden, like I, I, I think it wasn't it like the next day or what? No, it was later no, that day. Yeah, It was later that I day because I've been texting and, like, and calling you. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, Dude, like I it actually at my age now, it starts it starts to freak me out. Like I actually start thinking, like, dude, you're getting dementia. It happened when I was in my 30s. I'd be like, oh, I got too much on. I'm stressed. Now I'm like, oh no, you know, like it's a bigger deal to me now. Like it, it, this is signs of impending doom. That's an early onset dementia. I was reading about Robin Williams because I guess the anniversary of his death uh, or something or his birthday or something was this week. And um, dude, I know this sounds weird, but like if there's certain musicians and artists, if I think about them too much, I get super bummed. Like when Robin Williams died. Yeah. Like when Robin Williams died, it affected me. Really? huge way. Yeah. I wrote a blog about, it, it was actually the most uh, popular blog I ever did. I wrote a tribute to him. I had 10 and, people read it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but anyways, I, man, I'm telling you, it was, it was unreal. I was like, man, you know, like, 
So I, I unfortunately started going down that, that, that rabbit hole again, you know, keep in mind the church planner book that I have coming out opens up. With wait, 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 cha-ching, cha-ching, church plantology. Um, Pete, did I tell you I was writing a textbook? Wait, what's this? You're writing a book? Yes. And I finished it. If you listen to this week's or last week's or whatever it is, time, time warp now, um, whatever the last episode, of, I, I talked about finishing all the edits, but, um, but it opens up with, um, dead poet society where he has them ripping out the, uh, you know, the, talk about an old movie that, that these young church planners will have never seen. I know. Right. I know I have to, I have to up my game, dude. I have to up my game. I don't, I don't know. What do you do? Do you talk about, like, I don't even know what TV shows were around in the <gasps> early two thousands. Are you watching Cobra Kai yet? Jamie and I Dude. started it a few months ago because we've got YouTube TV and you we couldn't, go back. we didn't really get into it. Is it good? You, oh, oh my gosh. Like I get watching the first episode or two. You're like, eh, you know, it's all right. Oh my gosh, dude. It, it, are they up. switched? Did they switch roles? You can tell, can't you? Well, they're, you they're said not it quite on Monday's not quite podcast. switched, but there's, there's kind of, it, it's different, dude. It's different. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, we'll see where it goes. I'm only probably like episode eight or nine, okay. but I cannot stop watching this thing. I am mesmerized by this show. It is fantastic, dude. The show that we watch religiously every night, laying in bed every night. Really ridiculousness. Oh. That's the one where they watch the uh, YouTube it's, videos and stuff. It's America's funniest home videos, just yeah. done with you know younger, crasher guys, and it's yeah. hilarious. I mean, they bleep out all the bad stuff, but oh, that's cool. I mean, it's just what do you watch it on? Hilarious. Uh, it's on MTV. Did, does your wife think it's funny? Like, is that her? Sense oh yeah. Oh no, she'll be like, no, turn on ridiculousness. We got to go to bed. <laughs> like she wants that on. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, that's so funny. Oh, dude, turn yeah. It on. Yeah, no. I need to go to sleep. Turn on TV. It's comedy, man. It th- there are some funny, funny video clips, and then they just started like last week. It's basically the only show on MTV anymore. Like there was one week where out of 168 programming hours on MTV, 162 of them were ridiculousness. Like it's what? basically their only show anymore. Really? Wow. Yeah. So. They used to have the best shows, man. I don't know why they they don't bring some of those back. I mean, like Cribs, Real World and yeah, Cribs, Real World. I mean, those were all really good. I mean, they I basically started the reality TV thing. MTV used to have the most innovative shows on yeah. television for sure. Yeah, I don't know why. I, tr- I tried getting a, a Church Planners Cribs together once, and nobody bit. All the church planner, you know, all these like. Uh, yeah, you started and, with your own crib. You're like, let's look at my office. Remember that? It was fun. Oh, it was, it was hilarious. So fun. I think and, you had uh, Dan uh, do the video, right? Oh, he did so good, man. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he's like making fun of me the whole time, like zooming in on things like cribs. It was pretty good. Yeah. I should, I should float that out there again. Well, especially after your house is done. Then I want to see your crib. Yeah, man. That'll yeah. be that'll be the cool design when you finally get that done. They were almost working on a chimney right above my head today. 
And the guy goes, Hey, you're waterproofed. You're good. I, you know, you can have the roofer come in and finish up and boom, boom, boom. So he took off. But, um, I was for sure that they were going to be like right above my head working on stuff. That was going to be fun. Mm. They didn't do it. Well, that's good. What's up with your life, man? What's going on? Uh, it's way to the gym. <laughs> Dude, I have, we joke about this all the time on this, this podcast. I mean, after seven and a half years, I clearly have a highly addictive personality. Oh my <laughs> like, gosh, dude. The, the, if you were an action figure, if we made a church planner uh, podcast action figure series, we would have, it, this is a, you can tell me what mine would be, but Pete, the accessories you would come with would be underoos, <laughs> a, a, a barbell, um, a charger vehicle. You would have an extra vehicle, you know, Pete Mitchell figure not included. Right. Um, and you would have um, probably like Star fif- Wars. 15 guns. Oh, guns. Rifles. Oh, you would, you would be like uh, uh, snake eyes. There were Destro, you know, you had that little backpack in the eighties with all the guns in it. That'd be you. So it was funny. Cause uh, we were at church on, on Saturday night. Cause that's the only time that they can have a in-person service. And uh, the senior pastor, so we go to a, a they call it a, a branch, right? Because it's, it's not really a church plant because it's not really its own little entity. It's, it's, you know, it's another campus, if you will. And um, so they, they try and rotate the pastors through just so, you know, you can feel like you're part of this bigger community, I guess, right? So the, the big senior pastor was at the church and he was preaching and he comes up to me. I guess we're Facebook friends, right? I mean, it's not like I've ever had, you know, two words with the guy. And he's like, hey, man, I love your Facebook posts. And, he, and then he goes, you always been into guns? Or is this Are you serious? Thing? How funny. And I'm like, uh, funny you should ask. Uh, actually, I didn't own a gun personally until after the big shooting at the church in Texas. I'm like, that was, you know, 2017, I think, or 2018, something like that. And that's when... Like I got into it and then clearly I have a highly addictive personality because podcasts. I got podcasts on guns. I have multiple guns. Let's just leave no, it. No, at I mean, multiple. Let's talk about your addictive personality. We, well, podcasts are also one of the things, right? Like once Pete got into podcasts, he got into a, once Pete got into a magazine, he got into a bunch of magazines. <laughs> it's true, right? <laughs> <laughs> in fact, right now, so it was it was kind of funny because when you didn't show last week, I like I didn't care. <laughs> this was probably the no, first you time. Cried. You told me you cried. Well, normally, and I could tell by your response, because normally I'm pissed. I'm like, dude, seriously, why are you wasting my time? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. But I totally didn't care because right. I had literally just gotten done with uh with my arm workout because Thursday's arm day. And I was making Jamie take all these pictures of me. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to bang out this post on Facebook and throw it up. You're making your wife take, take a picture of my arm. Take Dude, a picture of my arm. She's a horrible picture taker. Like horrible. I got all these great pictures of the rest of the family. And then there's like crap of me because no one can take a picture worth a darn. And so like, I kept making her take them over and over again. I'm like, no, dude, look at the picture. I'm like, take it again. It was so funny. And, um, so I like bang out this post and, and, you know, telling the story of losing all the weight and, and what my goals are and stuff like that. And it, the post takes off. And 
Wayne Ferris, who's my buddy who helped me the whole way, um, you know, gave me the, the roadmap. Hey, here's what you need to eat, not eat. Here's what you need to do for exercise, all that stuff. Um, we were going to start a business together, you know, coaching people on how to lose weight and reach their goals. And we never did anything with it. There's a lot of reasons for why we never did anything with it. So I like just, we'd set up a website and I was like, Hey, you know, if you want the roadmap, you want the guide, how I did it, you know, go over here and get it. Dude blows up, get tons of leads off of it. Already closed sales this week of people going, yeah, I want to work with Wayne and you know, I want, I want the same thing. And I was like, so that was the reason why I was telling you earlier, I was uh, on a call with Cesar Kalinowski last night. And I'm like, Hey man, I'm thinking about, you know, doing this challenge for weight loss, you know, give me some of your thoughts, your opinions. And, and I'm like, see, this is my addictive personality, right? Cause now I'm all into lifting weights and, and fitness and health. And That's good, though. at least it's a good really. thing, right? At least I'm putting my energy into something that'll benefit how are you feeling. Remember how, like in the beginning, you're like, dude, I feel so, I didn't realize how bad I felt. Um, how are you feeling now? Cause now you're like, you're, you're not just like your diet's better. Now you're like fit. Like, what do you feel like now compared to what you fit? You know, it's funny because I think there's a, <laughs> this is my own personal opinion. I think there's a limit on how good the human body can feel and it can't really <laughs> and feel, well, and it can't really get any better than that. It's like, yeah, that's, and the reason why I say that is, um, so for, for we got a lot of pastors who listen to the uh, From Concealment podcast. I do it with another pastor, Dan Sams, who's Probably a church Probably more planner. than this podcast. I mean, you know, they want to know about ministry, but they'd rather, they'd rather, they'd rather talk about guns. guns and freedom, right? Because that's that's Dan and I on that podcast. And um, and so I, you know, I was I told the whole story on that that podcast of I decided uh, to go on what's called the carnivore diet, and I, I mentioned it to you. And so the carnivore diet is basically, uh, and I was just going to do it for 30 days. And it's a diet where you only eat animal products. So steak, chicken, eggs, cheese, technically milk. I mean, if you wanted it, but uh, pretty much nothing else, like no salads, no sweet potatoes, no broccoli, like it's meat all the time. And all of the guys who've gone on it, have been like, dude, you feel incredible. I mean, you just, you do like you, you. And so most of the time people who go on it, they never want to leave and they stay on it. Like there are guys who've been on it for decades and it sounds really counterintuitive. It's like, how can that be healthy for you? And it's, there's actually a whole lot of science behind it, which we won't get into right now. So when I went on it, I like, I didn't feel any better. And I was like, right. I don't feel worse, but it was like, I think there reaches a level where it's like, that's as good as you're going to feel. And it doesn't really matter as long as you're, you know, in a certain zone, that's, that's just as good as it's going to get. It's not going to get well, every, any better. Everything starts having a synergistic effect. For example, if you're working out, you're sleeping better automatically, right? Mm. It greatly enhances your sleep, which is going to affect, you know, chemicals in your body. It's going to affect how you feel during your waking out. Like all this stuff ties in. You know, um, your replenishment's going to largely be based on your nutrition. I mean, all, all this stuff together right. um, is is going to have a huge effect. So it's it's interesting, man. I I 
I, uh, I, I had kind of a wake up call this week because I went back into editing mode and then, um, all my exercise shuts down when mm. I'm editing because I've got a full-time job and then I'm burning the midnight oil trying to edit this thing when I'm done with work. So, and I'm getting up super early and working on it too. And then during my working hours, I'm working, you know, I, I, I don't screw my, in fact, the first week my work was so busy. I didn't even touch the book at all. Mm. So I really hit it in between the two weekends and had kind of a week to do it. But what was, um, what was, what was really tough is that, um, I'll start putting exercise off. Well, that entire week, I think the combination of sitting and not working out um, and not weights, you know, it'll be like walking or running right. or whatever. I have a, a neuromuscular condition that we've talked about before. Um, but if like I kept getting all this pain during the second weekend, Still, my wife, I'm just in so much pain. I haven't had this much pain in a long time. Mm. I'll suffer with like low grade pain on a regular basis because I was born with a, a spinal condition. But you know, I don't ever talk about this stuff, right? Like I didn't actually find out that this pain wasn't normal. People didn't, all people didn't share in this pain all the time, you know, till probably I was in college. I just didn't know what it was from. And uh, about 10 years ago, I got diagnosed. Uh, so, you know, but this pain was so bad on Monday, I decided to go running. I haven't run in probably a month and oh my gosh, dude, that pain was gone. I woke up really? the next morning. Yeah. 100% gone because my neuro neuromuscular condition, um, the flexing of my muscles eliminates. Um, it's weird, man. Like my, my nerves get this weird buildup. It's almost like if you study acupuncture, it's that kind of weird thing. So if my muscles aren't um, active, I get a lot of pain. And so one day of running, just boom, just one one wimpy little session of running. Woke up the next morning, pain was gone. Wow! I was like dang. And I've known that for years that I just I have to keep in shape, you know. Otherwise, I I suffer. Like then my spine goes out of whack, you know, really bad. Right. And, uh, it can be debilitating. So I've always had to keep somewhat in shape, but I, I'm pretty lazy, you know, so I don't, I don't do what you're doing. That's for sure. You know? So, it's well, I didn't the whole time. I mean, that's, that's the thing that I was like telling him in the, uh, the Facebook post is I lost 95 pounds without ever stepping foot in the gym. And what I learned in the whole process is that like the exercise piece it's only about 10 to at most 15% of the journey in weight loss. Now that's not to say that it doesn't have other significant benefits because it does, right? Like you just talked about with your muscular condition and um, obviously longevity, all the studies that have been done on it. I mean, it's got, I mean, there's, there's, you want to exercise because of all the other benefits, but as far as losing weight's concerned, it's not the bulk of it. Like the bulk of it is literally what you eat and then it's how much of what you eat. And it's not, most everybody thinks it's, well, it's how much of what you eat and then how much you're active. And it's not it. It's, it's literally the foods you're putting into your body and then how much of those foods you're putting into your body. Mm. And I didn't, I mean, I didn't know that when I started, cause I was like, you know, your whole life I've heard, you know, calories in calories out, right. It's all about, how much food you're eating and then how much you're burning per day. 
And, um, and that was part of the reason why, you know, I would be like, well, you know what? Uh, like we have these, uh, Pringles chips, like the little kid size. And, and I remember at the beginning of my whole journey, I'd be like, oh man, I need a snack. And those are only 150 calories. And I look at it now and I'm like, yeah, but the body processes that so quickly. It might as well be 150 calories of sugar. It's literally going instantly to fat. Like it's wow. just, so it's not how much you eat. It's literally what is the food you're putting in your body? What about tacos? Protein, baby. Protein. Corn tortillas okay? Well, I don't have the corn tortillas. <laughs> I just have a big plate of meat. No, <laughs> Tacos without the, you know, the container. I have, I mean, over the, the year, I would have uh, on taco night here at the Mitchell house, I would just go get romaine lettuce and I'd wrap them in romaine lettuce and just eat my tacos that way. Because there are certain foods that I just won't eat ever again. Like I'm, I'm done. Like which I, ones? basically anything the body processes so quickly, it might as well be sugar. So that's all your whites, um, white bread, uh, corn tortillas, anything corn is basically out for me. White potatoes. And I used to joke that a third of my diet was easily French fries <laughs> before. And I'm like, never again. Right. So I replaced that with islands does not hold the same meaning to you anymore. No, dude, I don't go out to eat much, man. Right, right. And I can um, see that. It's it just one, you, nothing's open. And two, it's like, okay, but I got to go someplace where I can get certain foods because I just, I won't put certain foods in my body. It's like, once you've been down this journey, it's like, why, why go back to that? Well, you see it. You see the results so fast. Yeah. It's got to be probably like a, a sermon in action where you're just like, I'm convinced. Yeah. I see it. I see the results. I feel the results. I'd be interested, man. So what's this challenge and how do I, um, cause I'm actually, now that you're saying that you're, you're getting me on, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm putting it together. It. I'm putting it together. I was talking with Caesar Kalinowski last night, trying to get some input from him. Cause he's like the king of challenges and he gave me some great insight. And I'm like, I woke up this morning at five 30 and I'm like, Oh dude, this is what I could do. This is how I could help people. And and make it all where it'll work and make sense. So I'll let you know when I put the whole thing together. Yeah. I want to know, man, I, I want to learn more. What's the book or what's a resource that you would suggest for someone wanting to get their diet? Like if I want to start there, where would you point me? The first thing I would point someone to, uh, to toot my own horn <laughs> would be go to America's fitness because Wayne and I put together basically a, a nine-step process, getting you from where you are to where it is you want to go. These are the nine areas that you need to focus on. And then he put together a little report that really explains things in a lot more detail. And so what happens when someone goes to americasfitnessclub.com, they can actually um, you know, download that stuff. You put in your name and email just like you normally would. And then it takes you to a video where... Um, where Wayne goes deeper on the stuff and, you know, and we do that as it's a lead gen thing because when, when we do that, we offer people the opportunity to set an appointment with Wayne if they're serious about getting in shape. And the thing about Wayne is he's a, a former competitive and champion bodybuilder. So it's, as he used to say, he goes, uh, when you're standing up on stage in front of a thousand people wearing only a tiny little brief, <laughs> he goes, everyone knows if your plan worked or not. Like, 
It either works or it doesn't work. You can't hide it. That's right. And uh, yeah. So the one thing I'll say is those bodybuilders, man, those guys understand the human body (laughs) better than almost any other group. Like they, I mean, not, not, not in certain areas, right. But as far as nutrition and diet and how macros affect you and those guys are just, they got it down because they have to, to do what they do. Yeah. I mean, talk about underoos, right? That would be funny. One of the podcasts. If one of them uh, was up on stage wearing like an R two D two underoo as their brief, that would be hilarious. How did How did Lou Ferrigno get through his bodybuilding career without wearing Hulk underoos? I just he should have just wore purple, right? Just wore purple. purple. This is why we're friends. Oh, that would have been great. I wonder if he ever did. So rad. Yeah. That would be awesome. I, I, I would like to know. Well, I, I think he kind of made a career, you know. Dude, Lou Ferrigno is a guy who still looks great today. Every time yeah. you see him, it's like he did not let himself go. No, and do you want me to tell my Lou Ferrigno story again? I do. I love your Lou Ferrigno story. So for those of you that don't know, uh, my neighbor across the street, he works at the Comic-Con. I live in San Diego County, and he always gets me in. So uh, one year he goes, hey, we got to work for Mile High Comics, which if you don't know Mile High, they're like the biggest comic company like on the planet, right? Um, So he had the huge store in Denver, Colorado. He's kind of world famous. And uh, anyways, I went and worked in that booth. Well, Lou Ferrigno was signing, um, uh, you know, uh, autographs and you, he, like he would, he would go after you. Like if you took a picture of him, he'd come over and. He's deaf, so he would sign to people no, and he'd point to the sign that he had, and it said $45 a picture, and uh, you had to pay. Now, the dude's huge. He is a Hulk. So if you don't know, in the 70s and 80s, he played the Incredible Hulk on TV. It's terribly dumb. And if you don't know, then your parents have failed you. <laughs> oh, yeah. If they, didn't, if they didn't teach you, you know, don't make me angry, Mr. McGee. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Then you have just missed out. Um, big time. If you never saw the Thor Hulk movie, oh my gosh, where, where have you been? So anyways, um, so he had all these signs and I knocked one over because, you know, my job was like set up and wheeling things in and what have you. I knew nothing about the comics. All these nerds are coming up going, do you have this comic? And I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I don't know any of this stuff, man. I know Batman, but like Frank Miller from like the eighties, that's all I know. And uh, so it was, and people were into weird stuff, man. I, I, my takeaway was you, you nerds are freaks, man. So, but anyways, the, uh, the bottom line though, was I knocked over Lou Ferrigno's sign and it broke. Oh, and he was so mad. Like he got mad. Like he was gesticulating and, you know, like, and he was like mad and like mouthing angry words at me that I, I didn't know what he was saying, but I pretty much got the message. It was something to the effect of you're an idiot. I want to kill you right now. And, you know, and, and, and I, you know, I was, Oh, Mr. Frigno, I'm so sorry, Mr. Frigno. I, I, I'm sorry. I'll see if I can find another one. And, my uncle's deaf, so I was I was trying to articulate in a way that he could understand. He could read my lips, and uh, but as I turned around to go, this big grin broke out on my face. I made the Hulk man! Yes, I was so happy. I could not wait to tell that story. So, anyways, it was pretty rad. That's so funny. 
It's the best story, man. If you're gonna if you're gonna meet Lou Ferrigno and you don't make him mad, you've just blown the opportunity, right? I would totally pay the forty five bucks to get a picture with him. Because I would use that in my marketing you everywhere. You would. That's true. You would. Well, now I think he needs to pay to take a picture of you, my yeah, friend. There we with go. Your muscles. There we go. That's all I'm saying. Uh, which way to the gym? <laughs> uh, let me get my wallet. <laughs> so, yeah, you are going to get the battleship though for me, right? Like, like the tattoo. So when you flex your muscles, so when it flexes fire, the gun, yeah, the yeah, guns are going. They fire off, boom, 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 boom. Then that it. way, when you flex, you can go boom, 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 baby, boom, boom. You know, that's what I want to see. You know, I honestly, because you got your tattoo, I think Jamie might let me get a tattoo. You got to get one, dude. They're cool. They're cool. No, well, they're not cool. They're nerdy. Look at my nerd. You can't you see only, them on here. You only waited tattoos. until you were uh, how old to get yours? 47. 47? Yeah. I'm 44. I'm I mean, come on. It's like. Dude, I'm almost 50. That's so weird. I'm almost 50. You're almost dead, really. I mean, you might Dude, as well. Dude, I saw Bill and Ted face music. What'd you think? Awesome. I need to know. Should should I buy awesome. it? Okay, so don't go in there expecting like it's gonna be, you know, cinematic gold. But it was funny, dude. I was mean, it? it was funny. Yeah, his daughters have they have their daughters in it, and they are so funny, particularly the one that plays Keanu's daughter. She has mimicked his actions from the first movie. Like they're just like them. They 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 used to call him Little Bill and Little Ted when they were little. And they're both girls. It's pretty funny. But um, but yeah, so like his his uh daughter's like well, well, you know, and she's, her acting is amazing. And I won't blow the funniest part of the movie for you, but there's a character in there that just, he doesn't start off funny. And by the end of it, you're like, that is the best part of the movie. Really? Mm. Yeah. He was my favorite. So I should get the movie, huh? I thought it was good. I mean, it's, it's a sequel to Bill and Ted, you know, like I said, don't expect cinematic gold, but you didn't like two, right? I wasn't a fan of two, no. Oh, see, I don't know, man. I just, there were so many great parts. Dude, I grew up in a Baptist home. Yeah, a dad yeah, was a pastor of a Baptist church. Yeah, I mean. They go to heaven and they go to hell. So that that must have been like the forbidden fruit because, you know, when it, when he goes to heaven and goes, dust in the wind, or no, that's that's the first one where he goes, dust in the wind, dudes. In the in the in the second one, he goes to heaven. I can't remember. Oh, he goes, he goes. Uh, he has to say something wise to get into heaven. So he goes. Every rose has its thorn, <laughs> just like every night has its dawn, just like every cowboy sings a sad, sad song. <laughs> and all the wise people are like, oh, they let him in. It's pretty cool. It's yeah, awesome. And then they face off against God, and yeah, it's it's probably not a probably not a good Baptist youth movie, is it? I'm just saying, man it 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 didn't go over well, and I didn't find it funny. Like, not yeah. like you found it funny. Oh my gosh, did I find that funny? Then, I, I thought as this we've one discovered, you and I have very different views on movies, big time. Yeah, I like I like part two better than part one. That might See, be my sin. Yeah. Yeah, and you still think there were prequels to the Star Wars movies, and I don't. Hey, hey, uh, Revenge of the Sith you was awful. Give that something was no, awful. So good. They're all awful. 
Revenge of the Sith was a masterpiece. I'm sorry. That, that, the that, guy who that played Anakin cannot act for anything. He's horrid. I think it was more his direction, though. I do. Because in, in part three, his acting was quite good. No, he played that smaller and angry. Angry acting is, is a lot easier. He did angry acting well. Yeah. I told you, I think on the podcast, that supposedly there's a Lucas cut of The Rise of Skywalker. I can't wait. Four hours long, brother. Is that and what you Last heard? Jedi. Last Jedi is going to be three and a half, four hours long. What, they're, they're redoing, redoing it? Mm-hmm. They're retconning them. No. Yeah, dude. I can't wait. So Kathleen Kennedy's hands are off the steering wheel forever. And there's that, um, that saying now where they say, uh, get woke, go broke. Every time they try to do the social justice warrior thing, they just lose tons of money. Mm. So they're, uh, they're kind of saying, hey, you know, maybe, maybe we should entertain and tell stories and not try to make all these social points, which, you know, if it's a social point that needs to be made, I don't got a problem with it. But there's been a lot of preaching. And one thing I've learned from being a Christian is people don't like being preached to. It doesn't matter who's preaching what. It insults people. So I think, I think Disney's finding out that preaching is insulting. What's funny is, uh, so Mackenzie, my daughter, (laughs) who's five years old, she is like a girly girl. Yeah. And she is like me. Like she is going to be the gunslinger when she's older, not Luke. It's going to be Mackenzie. You watch but she's such a girly girl. So you know how Mulan is supposed to be coming out or is out or something like that. I don't know exactly what the status of it is. She goes, I don't want to see that because she looks like a boy. (laughs) Because that's the whole like storyline for Mulan is she's, you know, supposed to be uh, a son. So good to me. Yeah. But that's so Mackenzie though. Like she's such a girl. That's funny, dude. I don't don't like her. She looks like a boy. No, that's funny. (laughs) Dude, look like a lady. Should we actually get into our topic? Uh, we, pro- you know, I was just thinking, hey, this is kind of nice, you know. Nobody's talking about. Uh, we have like no time left to talk about our topic. Which uh, Do you my buddy to Tom Bernardo told me, no, I'm fine. Yeah. Um, I, I will have to go actually, but I, I got a little bit of extra time. But when my buddy Tom Bernardo said to me the other day, he goes, "Hey, I was listening to Church Minor podcast. I felt like." should I explain anything to him or should I just let it sit there? You know, like, Oh, about the, you were telling him. No, no. He told me, he said, you know, I was on my workout and I was listening to church planner podcast and he was just referencing something. And I'm thinking, I bet he doesn't typically listen to that. And I'm thinking, should I say anything to him? You know, like explain or should I just let it hang there? Just, just set it out there. Like let him make his own, uh, own conclusions. Because don't you sometimes feel like this podcast, like it's, it's, it's like the, the, the that, that brother that you got to explain, you know, like, well, um, you know, I do think I say- only because I've heard you do it. I almost feel obligated to tell people, look, the first half hour, <laughs> it's really our friendship and we're catching up on each other's lives. And then we get into some church planning topic. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, can be a little bit of a. And I love how we used to get the comments of how much people hated the first part and only liked the second part of the podcast. And it changed. And then, and then they're like, 
now I lo- love the second or I love the first part and the second part's okay, but I'm really listening for the, the first part. Yeah. And I think, you know, we've had people over the years that are like, oh, if you guys would just get into it in the beginning, your podcast grow bigger. And it's really funny to me. My motivation for literally nothing in my life, and you, you will attest this, you know, it's frustrating to work with me. My thing is not to get bigger about anything. I don't care about that with church. I don't care about that with my podcast. I don't care about that with my network that I run, New Breed. See, I plugged it though, just in case you didn't want to join it. But that's never my thing. My thing, like if it came to this podcast, it was to connect with planners, entertain them a little bit. Sure. Um, Can't help that. Um, Have fun ourselves and then train them, right? Um, My network is to make them the best cared for planters on the planet. Because a lot of networks are like, dude, nobody ever calls me. No one ever talks to me. And my guys are talking all the time. And, you know, we're interacting on a regular basis. And then um, for my churches, it's to reach lost people and activate believers. Those are the, you know, hopefully we experience the, the power and presence of the Holy Spirit along the way. Those, and those are all connected. So those are always my, my prime motivators. Being big in anything, except for my personal height has not, um, not ever been a, a, a motivator. I'm not ashamed for me being big is, uh, well, woo. <laughs> that's so funny. That meme you sent me with the tiger and the cat. Oh my gosh. Dude, I was that not great? I literally that night was getting ready to go to bed and I started laughing out loud. And then it goes, what? I go, that meme Pete sent me today. So funny. Yeah. <laughs> if you guys don't know, it was like two tigers were, in a zoo. And then there was this cat who was like reaching up going, Oh, Hey, pound it out guys. Ginger power, right? Ginger, like a little, little tiny cat. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, ginger power, baby. Yeah. That was My so kids funny. don't think I have red hair. He goes, he goes, yeah. Cause it's a little cat. He's trying to, he's holding his paw up because the tiger's got his paw outside the cage. And he's, this little kitten's reaching up with his, his little paw. And he goes, ginger power fist bump. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> so funny Uh, all right well hey guys just a little i guess what we'll do today we're going to move in a different direction we'll tack on to last week a little bit great scott it's time for this week's topic let's get down to the nitty-gritty see i'm always torn and conflicted am i supposed to take part in that or do you want to no no it's cool i like that you do it it's good now that we've settled that i'll keep i'll stay in my lane but um yeah so we were talking last week about being sent and um, like today, um, Sean Banesh, I, I love Sean Banesh. Um, he came out with a great article about church planners aren't very entrepreneurial. And um, what was kind of cool about that was he was breaking it. So when you guys read church plantology, ching, I'll talk about the fact that lots of people can plan a church, but it doesn't make you apostolic. Apostolic people tend to be the more missionally speaking, anyways, entrepreneurial. I, I don't see the connection between an uh, apostolic church planner and an entrepreneurial business person. I, I get that they're both doing startups, but I make the point in the book that startups, you know, it's a one time deal. Kind of like you, Pete, where you're like, hey, a business guy who starts up a business doesn't make him an entrepreneur. And I feel that same thing when it comes to apostolics. Like, I can, for ministry, I can do it till I'm blue in the face. But if you said Peyton Jones is entrepreneurial, 
I would say I'm, I'm for sure not. Mm. That's not my gift at all. Like I could never do what you do. Right. So I don't think Amen. they're the same. Preach. But it's true. Right. I mean, really, I, that you I, couldn't I, do what I do. Yeah. No, there's no way. <laughs> oh, in many, many areas. So, you know, but, but the thing is, is that, um, when I see what you, like, so Sean Banesh was saying there are shepherds and he used the word missionaries. Well, I would say apostolic, right? Because that is the new Testament word for missionaries. But, um, one of the things that, that is really important to realize if you go back through church history, You'll see people that were not, they were entrepreneur, entrepreneurial planners um, or what I would call apostolic. Because when you talk about it, ministry, um, let, me, let me back up. Let me back up. Let me back up. If you have not read, this is shout out day today. If you have not read Alan Hirsch's um, 5Q book. You know, you know, so Alan, Alan's book, 5Q starts off, you know, okay. So he beautifully lays out. I mean, I, I think it's a masterpiece on APES, but he goes deeper than he, than he ever has. So what he does, he backs up and he, he unpacks the Godhead and he looks at creation and he says, look, um, cause this, let me reverse engineer this. Jesus had all of the roles of apest within him. Fist bump, am I right? Apest power, right? He had all of them within him, the apostle, the prophet, and I demonstrate that in church zero, right? Cha-ching! Um, that Jesus had all these. Well, you can find the scripture where it says he's all of these, right? So Jesus, when he ascends, so he's the perfect human being, which means he perfectly represents who God is. So when Jesus ends up, um, ascending after he redeems humanity, he kicks down his ministry in five different functions known as apostle, prophetic, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. Well, what Alan Hirsch does, he goes back to the creation of the world. And sorry, it's a little more theological than, than we usually are, but Alan Hirsch goes back and says, if Christ is the embodiment of the perfect man, then that means he's perfectly reflecting God's nature right? That's why God way back in creation said, be fruitful and multiply. Because in doing that, he was going to cover the earth with his glory. And because of that, the mission mandate was to spread out. And therefore, the apest was a part of that. So what he'll say is, even though uh, man is made in the image of God, think about it, Pete, your entrepreneurial nature is part of God's heart. God is entrepreneurial nature. So you have in the natural, you have the apostolic that manifests in the natural world as entrepreneurial businessmen. That's part of how you were made in the image of God. And this is mind-blowing, right? Then he would say someone who's really caring and a good listener, and, you know, this doesn't matter if they have Christ or not. In the natural world, they're embodying the heart of God as shepherds, right? But it's in the natural the image of God in them, it manifests. You can find all these things. Like he'll say inventors, um, you know, he'll, he'll liken things to prophets, like social justice, like, you know, people that rise up and they, they fight for causes. He'd say, those are prophetic. 
um, poets, prophetic, right? People that, that can, can speak about the nature of things. Um, people that are teachers, right? People that are, um, you'd say guys like, uh, Bill Gates or, you know, um, people that, that move things forward. They would, they would be more like apostolics again. And, um, so as you look at that, he says you can find the apest in the natural realm. Because that's part of who God is. So when God said spread out, the apest was a part of what was going to be manifest as we glorified God. So after Jesus redeems humanity and ascends and kicks down, now he's kicking these down through the spirit. So now we're seeing the apostolic, what's in the natural, as, as, as Pete Mitchell as an, an entrepreneurial businessman, in the spirit, when the spirit makes that a functionality of the church, it looks like an apostolic. So one is natural, one is supernatural. Does that kind of make sense? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, same with teaching. Like you can have a guy that's an awesome teacher naturally, but he could not convey spiritual truth to save his life. Right. And I've seen that. I've seen doctors that come into the church and they're like, Hey, um, you know, I could teach. I'm a doctor. I lecture doctors all the time. And then they stink up the pulpit. Right. So when you look at these, these different roles, it's a, it's a missional lens of apex, but all of a sudden you realize that not only did the mission not change, but even what God is manifesting, right? The natural of all these things is left over. So that's pretty important to back up and, and just kind of to realize and to know. Now, if you put a, a maybe Caesar Kalinowski is a, a perfect picture of a guy who's entrepreneurial in the natural and in the supernatural. I mean, what a, what a combination, right? Right. So that that might be what's happening there. I would say that for me, um, I would be perhaps in the natural more of a teacher um, rather than than uh, you know, and then apostolic in the supernatural. And maybe that's why my you know I couldn't run a business to save my life, right? Um, but when it comes to leading a church and mobilizing people, I can use that spiritual gift. If other people are upholding the you know the business aspects of things, I can do the spiritual stuff, you know. So that that's just something kind of kind of interesting to play with. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. But that's that's how I understand it. And uh, and even that book Five Q that kind of lays us out. I mean, you, you got to get a hold of that. Um, but looking at a guy like like Saint Patrick and the little time we have, um, Saint Patrick lived in the fifth century, and he was you know a missionary to Ireland. He was not Irish. Um, his original name, they believe, is Mywin which indicates he most likely grew up in Wales, right? And what would happen is uh, raiders would raid the sea coast. Some of you guys that saw Games of Thrones, you know that that one coastal thing, they were raiders. That's actually based on history. What would happen in Celtic nations is they would raid the coasts. They would take people, put them in boats and kidnap them and take them to their land and make them slaves. And that's what happened to Patrick is he was taken off the coast of Wales when he was uh, uh, herding pigs and they forced him into slavery. So when he was freed, he returns to Ireland as a missionary. And, and if I'm not mistaken, I think, I think Patrick escaped. So when we say he was freed, I don't think there was like, you know, any freedom movement going on. I'm pretty sure he ran away. And, but he goes back, right? And during that time, um, a lot of the stuff is modern legend, so we don't know, but, um, apparently 300 churches were planted through St. Patrick 
and 100,000 people baptized mm-hmm. um, during his ministry. Now, the, the crazy thing is, and I, I tend to believe this because the more apostolic I'm functioning, the more miraculous things happen, the more supernatural things happen. But there were crazy miracles. And some, some of them involved like St. David was the St. Patrick of Wales. He was the guy. These were like apostolics. And they, they formed these missionary monasteries. So like they didn't build these big cathedrals or anything, but they would have like these centers and they were made out of stone and stuff. And they would worship there and they would house a bunch of people. They'd send them out. So that's how the planning happened. When Wales, there's a story of St. David where he, um, he was speaking to this crowd of like, like thousands of people and, and the hill, you know, where he was at, there was no hill, which makes you think, okay, that's not Wales at all. That's got to be a myth. But apparently the ground where he was at rose so he could project his voice. Now that's probably, I don't want to say, you know, God can't do that, but that's probably a little bit of fan fiction going on there. You know, that the ground rose underneath his feet. Not that it couldn't happen, but there were miracles that most likely happened during this. And of course, when you read the accounts and some of the histories, you'll hear about miracles. And that is something that often goes with frontline ministry. Um, You can read about missionaries today and they'll talk about all that. But here's the deal. This is what he says. He writes, the only letter we have, the only writings we have of Patrick that survived is a letter to the soldiers of Caroticus. Right. So, um, so obviously he's writing to, um, Roman soldiers here. He says, I, Patrick, a sinner, unlearned resident in Ireland, declare myself to be a bishop. <laughs> I like that. I declare that I am a bishop. Most assuredly, I believe that what I am and I have received are from God. And so I live among the barbarians, a stranger and exile for the love of God. He has witnessed that this is so. And so what, what's interesting about this is, you know, if you take apart just how he introduced himself, he, number one, this is true of apostolic planners. Um, he feels unqualified. He says, I'm a sinner and unlearned, right? He also demonstrates this internal confidence in his call. I declare myself to be a bishop. So all of us as planners, it doesn't matter if people around us don't recognize us. You read Paul in Galatians and Paul's like, Hey, well, you know, I, I, I met with the 12. They didn't add anything to me. Paul knew he was called and sent by Christ. Now, if you're sent out, um, I know lots of planners that were sent by a sending pastor, and that's great. But I also know planners that their sending pastor has personal issues and won't send them. But they go anyways hmm. because they're like, I know I was sent. You've got some issues you've got to work through. You're mad at me for leaving the church or you're, you know, whatever it is. Dude's not thinking right, but, um, but they, they know, you know, like I declare myself, like, I know I'm this. And then he says at the end, you know, I recognize I have received this from God. So he's acknowledging that God gave him this calling. Right. And also Patrick identifies just as this little blurb from him is so powerful because he says, and so I live among the bar- barbarians. Like the, the key to his sentness is the lost who needed him to go, right? And so when he says, I'm a stranger and an exile in this past, he was alienated from his comforts, his contacts as a missionary, but he says, for the love of God. And that right there is the apostolic call. That is the sentness that we were talking about. It's Christ, uh, like Paul says, for Christ compels me. And, um, and every year 
in America, those those of you that know this, 3,700 churches are planted in this nation. And nobody really knows how many were successful. Um, we have an off-quoted failure rate of 70 to 80%, which is undocumented, but probably um, not untrue. And so as we look at this, um, you know, a few, uh, few years ago, there was a guy named David Watson who, um, you know, he, he wrote a bunch of books and he moved to Northern India and he begged for two months that God would allow him to go home after six of his coworkers were martyred within an 18 month period. So imagine you're on the field, you're training up missionaries, you're training up planners, they're going into these village in India, villages in India. And he, he didn't want to stay. He was begging God every day, let me go home. I'm tired. It's kind of like Luke Skywalker, right? Where he's tired of rising up, raising up Kylo Ren's. Not that they turn to the dark side, but they keep getting killed. Like that's painful. And you feel kind of responsible. So uh, he, he sensed in his prayer life that God was not going to release him from his sentness. All right. I can use the word call, but he felt, I was sent here. I've not been released from being sent here. Um, I'm trying to move us away from the term called. Um, and he complained. That's what he wrote in his book. He says, God, I can't plant churches anymore. I didn't sign on to love people, train people, send people, and then get them killed. And so, um, you know, the interesting thing about that is that um, God did um, reinforce his call to him and say that they're, they're not yours they're mine. I'm sending them to be killed. You're not. And you and I have talked about this before in my last book, Reaching the Unreach, where I said, hey, God will sacrifice you to um, save others. Like, you know, uh, that's, a, that's a little bit of a mind shift, but that's the honor that missionaries have. Like, I don't want to be tortured. You're talking about your son's scrotum. Um, within context, health health conditions, but um, we didn't talk about it on the podcast, so you know. Oh, we didn't. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> so this what happens. He, we have hopefully when he hears this episode when he's older, he's like, when what, he's older, what, what's Dad yeah, talking Dad, about? Dad, why are you talking about my scrotum? But you know, like always for me, there was a James Bond movie where they they wreck his scrotum, and I'm always like, oh gosh, being a missionary like that, it's the torture, right? It's not the death. But you watch these guys in Egypt, man, that are. They're singing on the beach for the honor of being martyred. And these guys, you just watch it and you're like, holy crap. Like these dudes are my heroes. Like they're on the beach getting martyred and they're scared like anyone else. You know, they're, they're obviously, but they're worshiping Christ together, knowing that that's their last moment. And also knowing that we worship this God who saves guys like the apostle Paul. And I've known Muslims who were part of persecution uh, in my travels and, and, and being able to meet people who have said, I persecuted Christians. And that was one of the major things that brought me to Christ. Mm. And so, you know, planners, you know, the, the old saying, um, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Like the church only waxes stronger when people uh, are martyred. Like it is one of the, to, to watch people worshiping, um, even Paul and Silas in prison when, you know, they're, they're worshiping God after they've been whipped. Right. And then when the earthquake happens, the guy's about to kill himself, you know, and, and Paul shares with him and he becomes a Christian. Um, 
you know, and it, it's just powerful, man. That's, that's all I'm saying. But, um, but in the end, you know, you're going to wrestle with all kinds of things um, as a planter, but that sentness is part of how God's wired you. He's wired you to cross over to new frontiers and cultures. He's wired you to proclaim Christ where his name isn't known. He's uh, wired you to be mobile rather than stationary. You move around a lot. And that that's kind of hard, you know, to to get your hand around. I, I sometimes wish that Christ had just called me to be a, a, a planter you know, like a, like a, a pastor, you know, um, where I plant and I stay put because, you know, but like last night, man, like I can't tell you how satisfying it is when I have a guy who's originally from Africa, who migrated, his parents migrated to London. And then he's now pastoring the church I planted 14 years ago this Sunday is the anniversary 14 years ago. And he's this young man that's just turned like 30 and he's there pastoring. He's third generation uh, leader there, team leader on a, on a team ministry. And he's a young man writing, asking me things. I'm just like, yeah, I wouldn't have that any other way. Like that's so rad. Don Overstreet, who is one of my heroes, uh, Kirk Overstreet's dad. You know, you, you've probably seen that video where he's, he's back and there's all these churches planted, you know, on, on the Isle of, uh, I think it's Trinidad, um, where he went as a missionary and there's all these sort like, they've got the Don Overstreet school of ministry, which, you know, really, yeah, wow. yeah. Like that, you know, because so many people and that dude touched 500 planters over 50 years and all these churches are planted. You just look at that and you go, man, that. It's a, it's a really, it's a hard, it's a hard, it, I, I can't complain that I've ever had anything hard. God has done nothing but bless me this whole time. So I can't say it's hard for me. I've had, but there have been hard days. There have been hard nights. There have been difficult and confusing and tough seasons. But in hindsight, man, the juice was worth every bit of the squeeze. And so I know that wasn't, I shifted direction today. Hopefully that encourages those of you that are out there right now on the ground to think beyond your church plant and to embrace the sentness uh, of your calling. And uh, while people are embracing the sentness of their calling, Peyton, how are they supposed to handle all that IRS compliancy and uh, payroll taxes and, you know, dealing with, you know, the financial side of being a church planner and pastor? You know, the best way, Pete, is to ignore it. You know, I find if I sweep this stuff under the rug long enough, it just goes away. And the IRS doesn't mind. You know, they're like, hey, thanks for not bothering us. We're plenty busy. No, just joking. Um, (laughs) Don't say that. No, the IRS definitely wants you to pay your taxes um, uh, as a nonprofit uh, tax-exempt organization. No, but you, you have to report everything. And you do need someone like SimplifyChurch.com who will handle all your tax compliance needs. They'll do bookkeeping for you. They'll help you work out a budget. They'll do all kinds of payroll services. Um, they'll, they'll make checks payable to people for you, send out checks and get bills paid. They are awesome. And I've been using them for a number of years now. And I would highly recommend heading over to SimplifyChurch.com if you're a church planner and at least taking the stress of that off your table. So head on over to simplifiedchurch.com and tell them that Peyton and Pete sent you. They love us over there. They might even give you a discount. 
Ask them about church planner discount. Tell them we said. There, there you go. Josh is going to be like, what What are you talking about? A discount? What? Are you, what? <laughs> you just. Uh, Peyton, you got some explaining to do. So uh, anyways, hey, guys, thanks for joining us today. This has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you, if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music